Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer books, TV shows, films, video games. If it's queer, we're recommending it. I'm Tara Scott. I review queer women's fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And today I am recommending a documentary. And I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books. And surprise, I will be recommending a documentary as well. But a different one. So get ready. We hope you like documentaries because we do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're over the age of 30. Mm -hmm. Once you hit 30, documentaries, which used to be what we watched in school, Oh, yeah. You know, we, we we got rid of them in our 20s. We're like, oh, these are awful yeah. romances of school. And now we're like, oh, these are pretty interesting. Yeah. So F- we're watching documentaries. Fuck all those art house films we were watching in our 20s. <laughs> right. Um, if you would like to support the show, you can contribute to our coffee. Coffee is a site that lets you support your favorite content creators, including us. If you're interested, there is a link in the show notes, or you can visit coffee.com slash clearly recommended. So. Tell us which, what what is going on. In your world, Tara. Well, my hair is hot pink. Yes, it is. I very much love it. I started off I love it in the spring, uh, in June, right before I got COVID, and I bleached it out and did lilac, like the Megan Rapinoe, which I was a big fan Good. of. But now that there's like a dark root there, the hot pink is very, it's very much working for me. And I went this week and also added to my tattoo collection. Yay. I know. It's pretty exciting. So it's on the right side of my right calf and it starts like it kind of grazes my kneecap and also grazes my ankle bone. The ankle oh, ow. the ankle <laughs> hurts like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that is on the bone. <laughs> I didn't I did not care for it. I and I told that to my tattooer Kate, I said, I do not like this. <laughs> and they were said, yeah, that's a spicy spot. I had two labor and deliveries. As we know, I have two kids. I did not swear either times when I gave birth. <laughs> the only times I've sworn is when I had the outside of one of my elbows tattooed and my ankle. It was just this like out of nowhere. Fuck. <laughs> um, I don't recommend. I'm laughing because I really feel your pain. Yeah. I felt. I was amazed with how painful it really was. Oh, I had my uh, I had a back tattoo when I was in my twenties. Oh yeah, and oh my god, I was like, it was on the shoulder blade, and it was like, and I was very very thin back yes. then, and it was just like, I, I I was so shocked. I was like, really? Like this oh, is yeah. a lot of pain. Over the <laughs> I didn't bone know is like bad. how to react. Yeah. Yeah, that's no tough. over the bone is terrible. Well, that was like so. I have what I I like to my tattoo and I loving because all my tattoos at this point. I used to I had three before. They've all been covered by this one artist, and so everything I have is by one artist. I'm like a a walking talking Kate Scully billboard, and um, we like to refer to. Well, I went in for a sleeve, and I walk out with what we like to jokingly call a bolero jacket because it's two sleeves. <laughs> And they're connected by an upper back piece. And they have these two little pieces in the front that are connected as well on the chest that just sort of go over the chest, but sorry, the sternum, the chest bone, the sternum. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, I did not care. I was going to say, ow. That was, that, that had, yeah, that was very bad. So yes, I am continuing to add to my tattoo collection. Somebody asked if I was going to get a full body suit and I was like, ab, Absolutely not. There are some parts of my body I'm not interested in, like, say, my ribs 
or oh yeah my belly oh, my God. or i do not want to get my breasts done uh if i ever get if i ever have to have a mastectomy or anything like that like i think then i would tattoo my chest but like right no, but i don't think i'm gonna actually do this but I, what i think would be hilarious to go with my bolero jacket is what if i got tattoo chaps like i don't want my butt <laughs> i don't want the backs of my knees this is perfect <laughs> but what chaps. if tattoo chaps yeah what about tattoo chaps i think that would be funny <laughs> so i love it do it what about you how are you doing how was Clexicon? Okay, so Clexicon was actually really, really fast. I was surprised, but also I did things outside of Clexicon too. I took my my mother's goddaughter, who I affectionately refer to as my cousin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonia. I brought her along, so she was in from Germany. So I'm like, hey, do you want to go to LA with me? She's like, absolutely. So she's old enough to like do her own thing, and she speaks English very well. Mm-hmm. So she went on a tour of Hollywood and the Los Angeles area while I did uh, Clexicon. I will say this. In 2019, when I went, it was in Las Vegas, and it was massive. It was huge. Mm-hmm. There were over 5,000 attendees. Uh, it was incredible. It like just, it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and we knew that, that, Right now, after COVID, during, um, before it was like in April, it was in April of 2019, mm-hmm. I think is when it, when it went down. And so to have it in July, that's, you know, a lot of people have kids, they're yes. summer. So they tried to make it more uh, family friendly by having it in LA, which is uh, in Anaheim, mm-hmm. which is right next door to Disneyland. I don't know that that helped really because it's not easy to get to LA. Uh, it's not like mm-hmm. Vegas. Like so many flights go into Vegas every day, every airline, and it's super cheap. Yeah. But it's not super cheap to fly into one of the five airports in in Los Angeles. By the way, I flew into the wrong one. Oh no! But my my awesome friend Casey Richardson picked us up uh, and drove us like nine thousand miles to get to where we needed to be. And uh, she said, "Yeah, Uber next time." <laughs> Like, uh, you have to Uber Enjoy back. Enjoy your like, $200 you so Uber. Much. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it was the the event itself. Uh, there were only like seven to 800. Um, oh, really? I guess attendees. Yeah. yeah. So it really, it, it, it shrunk. Was it a good and, group of people at least? You know what? It was an amazing group of people yeah. there. Like there was so much diversity and it was so different than GCLS because like everybody was queer. It, Mostly everybody was queer. And even if you weren't, you were very respectful mm-hmm. of the people who did identify as queer. And it was just, it was really refreshing to go from, you know, one con where there was, you know, a fight versus a place where everybody was accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it was just so different. So there's probably a lot of people listening who didn't go to GCLS. Are you able to explain what that fight entailed? Yeah, because there's been a lot of talk about it on on uh, social media sites. There was concern that some people were, they didn't like that the word lesbian had been removed from the GCLS motto, mm-hmm. just because there's more than, you know, for women loving women, it's more than just lesbians. Yes. You know, there's, we have a lot of the whole LGBTQ umbrella. And there's a lot of things that I learned that I did not know about as far as the whole umbrella. Mm-hmm. But um, there was concern that, that the word lesbian was being erased, and that's not true at all. Um, I am 100%, I support the direction that GCLS is going in. 
they're being more inclusive, including trans uh, members and bisexuals and pansexuals mm-hmm. and two spirits. Never heard of that. I had to learn that. Oh, yeah. We talk a lot about that in Canada because it's um, a part of indigenous culture. I yeah I had I I learned that too and even non-binary mm-hmm. uh, folks you know they were not you know they didn't feel welcomed and so so GCLS took a big jump over COVID I think during the whole pandemic mm-hmm. they took a big jump and they started a diversity and inclusion part of the group mm-hmm. I think it started in 2020 and since then several people have quit just because it has been just a fight to get everybody to really get on board with this and to open up their arms and their hearts to people who identify not as lesbians but are still writing under women, loving women, who still identify as women mm-hmm. themselves but are not accepted. So to go from that yeah. to we love all queer people, it was amazing. Like that part was great. Yeah. And we did we did sell some books, so that was nice. Good. And then we, we had a panel. I was on a panel at 9 a.m. Yeah, how'd that go? Morning, which was total shit. Oh, Who no. does that? Well, you were like, concerned. you're in L.A. I was totally concerned. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, really? Nine o'clock in the morning after, like, after all-nighter on, on Sunday or on mm-hmm. Saturday night? Like, who does that? I was begging people, please. Thank you for buying my book. Will you please come to the panel at nine o'clock in the morning? And the look on their face just told me, are you fucking <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why this happened, Mm -hmm. but you know what? We had like about 25 people in the audience, which was nice. Yeah. It was nice. That's good. Yeah. So uh, it was nice that we got to meet new readers and readers that we have that have been around that we never met before. Yeah. Because it was so far on the West Coast. So that was nice. Uh, I got to meet some readers. And it was funny. This is a true story. Mm -hmm. I stopped by the booth and I spent a lot of time there Saturday trying to sell books, you know, and... I stopped by, I think it was Saturday afternoon, and there was somebody, her name is Shelby, I know this now, mm-hmm. but I knew, I knew it before, but Shelby was sitting there reading one of my books, and so my editor, Ashley, was also at Clexicon, and she's like, hey, go up over there and, you know, kind of get up behind her and <laughs> take a picture. So I'm sneaking up over there, and I get behind Shelby, and Shelby... The only thing she sees is she sees Ashley kind of coming at her with a camera, yeah. with her phone. And she's like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, you know, yeah. She's like, what's going on? And so I'm standing behind her while she's reading my book. So it was just, it was a great, it was a great feeling to see somebody read your book out in the open. I love that. Just so would you recommend Lexicon to people? Um, I really do. I, You know, I mean, it was kind of, um, it was kind of a, a soft re-entry mm-hmm. into post-pandemic life. I certainly will highly recommend it if they change the location to back to Vegas mm-hmm. because that that will get you more attendees. And uh, they did have a good lineup. Um, they had the cast from First Kill, mm-hmm. but unfortunately it got canceled, the show. Yeah. So now there's a push. You know, same thing happened with Winona Earp. There, it got canceled, and so there was a big push to to get it renewed, mm-hmm. uh, to have somebody pick it up. So they're doing the same thing with First Kill. And it was just, you know, I mean, I didn't get to spend a lot of time in other panels because I was working the booth. Yeah. And it was just real hard because we had like 15 BSB writers there, and we had a 10 by 10 booth. So it was kind of hard. You know, oh, you had yeah. to kind of sneak in and, you know, try to pimp your book when you could, and then you sneak back out. Yeah. 
So I, I hope that next year it is in Vegas and I hope that next year we get a bigger booth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like you need it. Yeah. I have always recommended all of the, the cons uh, as far as that are specific to shows, TV shows or movies or whatever, because mm-hmm. especially like I've done so many of the Win- Winona Earp shows, mm-hmm. like the cons that are around. And I swear to God, it is 100% love. Like, I've never been anywhere before when it is so accepting and it's all about love. And if you are sitting alone, somebody will come up to you and talk to you and include them in their group. It is just, it's an amazing experience. And I know I've said this before. If if you love any of these shows and you go to these cons or you're scared of going to these cons, go. Because they will accept you and you will make lifelong friends. Okay. So if you could only go to one conference next year, what would it be? I know. I know. It's a very Um, rude question, (laughs) but I'm asking you. That's a rude question. Ah, Only one conference? It is. Let's say it's 2023. COVID has disappeared. (laughs) Shit. I mean, while while we're making things up anyway. COVID has disappeared, so there's not the concern that we're going to, you know, catch it and have something horrible happen. Right. The conference, so it's kind of like conferences the way they were before COVID. What's the Uh, one you go to? I hate this question so much. (laughs) I hate this question. Because they all offer something different. Yeah. Something, you know, because I love any Winona Earp conference. I mean, that's going to be high up there. Mm-hmm. You know, and if Klexicon goes to Vegas and there are some Erpers, it would be Klexicon. Yeah. But there's also, you know, GCLS because I still love it. And I love my friends and seeing friends. And also that's that's when we have our awards. And then there's Women's Week. Uh, so I probably have to say Women's Week. Women's Week. Because that's like a whole week of yeah. being with other writers and readers and just like having the ability to like hang out with people and like go jump in and have lunch with somebody or go to dinner with somebody and grab drinks with other people and and readers have the opportunity to come up and hang out with you and it's 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 a lot more casual environment Mm -hmm. so there's no stress but it's also super hard to get up there to p-town well it's not easy good news for people that are listening women's week hasn't happened yet this year so it might be a little hard to find accommodations but if you can you can still book your plans and go check it out yeah. and see Chris there. It's wonderful because not only is it about books, but they also have like, they have, here's the thing. They have musicians, mm-hmm. they have comedians. It's it's all queer women, not all queer. Some of them are not, but they hang out, but they're queer friendly and they go to this and like, it's the whole week. So on one side, you have like all these clubs that, you know, they have like, singles you get singled stances and then on the other side is where the book stuff happens Mm -hmm. and then you know there's movies there's a lot of films uh short films that they show and uh i am desperately i mean a lot of people go there kate clinton i have Mm -hmm. met kate clinton there thanks to lynn ames Uh, shout out to lynn for doing that yeah so she introduced me around to to several very important people i know rachel rachel maddow is up there uh i haven't seen her yet Mm -hmm. because she's on the other side but every so often she she shows up and I know that Katie Curtis, uh, a lot of uh, maybe, I don't know if people know who Katie Curtis is. She's a musician. She's like, you know, folk, modern day folk, which is what uh, I love. Yeah. She's going to be there with some other musicians that are going to be playing. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun. There's a lot of love there too. And then there was like, uh, for all the people who love karaoke, Jesus, 
So the governor, <laughs> Bradford's, it's like, really, there's two bars that stay open on, on our side, our side being the writer mm-hmm. side uh, of P-Town. And there's two bars. It's the Squealing Pig and Governor Bradford. So if you're not at one, you're at the other. Mm-hmm. And every so often there's like uh, karaoke. Yeah. For sure there's karaoke on Saturday night because that's where everybody goes to say goodbye. Right. You know that everybody's leaving on Sunday. So the people you aren't spending the evening with, you go to Governor Bradford's and you say goodbye to everybody. And it's just, it's a great time. There's lots of tears. Yeah. Lots of, you know, alcohol, lots of singing, really bad singing. (laughs) I honestly, I don't think I've ever been on stage, Mm -hmm. but I'm not 100% sure about that. Because you were too hammered to remember. (laughs) I'm almost certain I haven't because that is not who I am. Yeah, the photos would have surfaced by now, surely. (laughs) Or like the video evidence. So So I don't think I have. But here's the good thing. So like my roommates, uh, you know, housemates, I guess we have a house. My housemates almost always, we didn't this last year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. We almost always have a concert. Like we'll put on a concert and people come. And usually we raise money for something. I'm always collecting money for whatever. Yeah. And I flash my dimples and like, hi, we're saving money for the animals. That's Give us money. Dimples and so, for the, pe- dimples the dimples for the yeah. people who are like, did she just say nipples? <laughs> you were talking a little dimples. fast. But I'm not going to say that there haven't been some some nipples like that have been seen at these parties. Sure. But we do. We raise money. I I don't know what the feel is for this year. If we're going to have a concert, uh, a money raising mm-hmm. concert for something usually like dogs um it's usually for the animal shelter there in p-town yeah but, you know you can't just have a party without like making it something that's for something important so there's always that and that usually happens on friday night so at p-town it's a place to be if you haven't experienced it you have to at least once in your life come on go to p-town go see chris's yes go to p-town. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what have you been reading or watching lately? Well, I'm still watching Alone, mm-hmm. Frozen. So that's still going on. We had six people and we, let's see, as of now, we have four. So okay. we didn't lose anybody this last week. But, you know, the previews for this coming up week shows that there's somebody's going to leave. At least one person's going to leave. Yeah. So, and we, so the final, like, whoever lasts the 50 days then they share $500,000. Okay. So they've already lost two people. So the, the four people, if they last, you know, they're going to get the 125000 But it, the more, the fewer, the more they that drop out, the more money you get. Mm-hmm. And and I get it. It's different because when you first do it, you know, a lot of people are dropping out early, like within like four or five days who had stayed there for like 70 days or 50 days. Mm-hmm. Because you remember what it was like the first time. And you're like, oh, hell, I'm not doing this again. Oh, is this like an all-star season? I'm going to just pull um, drag race terminology. It's... and like, So it's all former <laughs> contestants? They are former oh, contestants. Yeah. And so that's why I think that a woman's going to win. Because the men that they have didn't last very long. Like in their season. Like one guy lasted like 51 days, one person lasted, one guy lasted like 30. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like they got kind of the the scrappers at the end just to try to like boost whatever. And so a woman's going to win this, this season. So, and you just don't know who, like there, there are two women that, that they're very strong and I can't decide who's going to win out of the two women. I think it's the one that looks like Natalie Merchant. Uh, I don't know her name. I can never remember the names until they show. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That's her name. 
But it's this lady who, I think she's like 57. She has long gray hair. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, she's very talkative to herself. She talks a lot to herself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're there with your own cameras. You set up your own cameras. So you have yeah. your GoPros. There's nobody else there. It's just you and oh like five goodness. cameras. So you're always recording and you're always changing batteries and stuff like that. But she talks nonstop. It's like, I, I don't, she's one of those people that you can just walk away from, like, or put the phone down yeah. and do what you need to and come back and she's still talking. Like, she's that person. Mm-hmm. And so she's probably going to win. <laughs> That's my guess. That's my call. <laughs> just by keeping herself company the whole time. Right. Like, I am my own best, like, company person. Yeah. I'm always talking to myself. Yeah. Literally. Like, my engineer walks in. He's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I just myself. Oh, my God. That's, uh, that's so That's sad funny. in a way. <laughs> uh, okay. So, let's see what else. So, Alone. And I also, so, I watched Whiplash. Mm-hmm. 2014 movie with Miles Teller. The he's a drummer. Yeah, drummer. Yeah. Did you see it? Uh, no, I've it? heard of it, and I was told that I specifically would not like it because there's a lot of just like a lot of cruelty. Yes, cruelty, emotional abuse, yeah. physical abuse. Um, there's a lot of abuse going on there, and uh, you know, it's I I I don't I can't I don't have the words for this movie. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I thought it was an exceptional movie. And I thought it was, I thought the ending was kind of good, but also kind of bad. So I don't know how to feel about this movie. So I'm still going to, I'm still stewing on it because I just watched it a couple days ago. So I'm still stewing in my head. It's going to, something will come out. And then I started House of Dragon, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the prequel to uh, Game of Thrones. So there have been two episodes. Ah! There was one last night I haven't watched it. Yeah. I'm doing house sitting right now, yeah. so I won't get to that until next week. So I'll catch two. I'll catch episode three and four next next Saturday, next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Are you enjoying it? You know, it takes a while to get into that because you have to learn names yeah. and who the characters are and what they do. And I like to go into something blind. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like to read up on it first. I just like to jump in to see, you know, if I'm going to sink or swim. And right now I'm just, I'm barely keeping my head above water there because there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the characters, and then they have the same letters. Like usually I can like identify with a letter, like, oh, this person, Daenerys, D. And there there aren't any characters that that start with a D, but like two main characters start with R-H-Y or something. And it's like, come on. Yeah, that's not helpful. Come up with different names. Yeah, it is not helpful at all. So I get it mixed up. So I'm having issues with that, but... I feel like by the end of the fourth episode, if I don't have it down, then I'll I'll do some some back checking on you know IMDb or something mm-hmm. or like whatever's on the web. But yeah, of course it's dragons. I love it. It's you know it's that time period, and I I feel like I would be a part of House of the. Dra- I would like a dragon. I would like to work with dragons. I would mm-hmm. like to be part of that family. Anyway, when are you gonna write a book with dragons in it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can. Like, Dee Jackson Lee already has the, yeah, she wrote the the coolest dragon book. Yeah. So, uh, I can't, I can't. Yeah, not my thing. All right, but fair. I love sci-fi. Yeah. What about you? What have you been uh, watching or reading? So, I finally caught up to you on Glow Up. That season yes. was so good. I loved it. So I good. Loved that season so much. And... I feel like, so it's only been out a few weeks, so I don't want to give away who wins. But the person who does win, there was just something about them in that first episode where I was like, I like this person. Mm. And I would like this person to win. And it it wasn't 
Like, I appreciated that it wasn't a steady, like, they're constantly in the top. Because there were weeks where this person stumbled. But you could just see that, like, the growth was happening. And they're so brilliant. And their art told such a compelling story. But so many of them were so, oh, my goodness. What a talented group. I think that in the finale, I wanted the other person to win. I'm trying to remember now. I know. So I'm... I'm trying to google it now like ah, like what season was, was it i don't remember oh i know who you mean yeah that person was also very talented yes 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 and i thought because of their education i thought that i really wanted that person to win well that person still got some pretty incredible... The, the thing that I love about where oh, they're going sure. with it is that, you know, the top three always end up walking away with at least one really interesting, helpful contract that'll set them, like, get them going on their career. So I think, like, when you're in the top two, it almost doesn't matter if you've won or not because you have, like, multiple contracts and you're just going to go out and crush right. it. So, yeah, I thought it was a really, really strong top two. I was kind of surprised... By the third person who made it into the yeah. top three, because yeah. that person was not nearly not. as strong. No. Like, whoo, no. that's what? Yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, they still did good stuff, yes. for sure, but it wasn't at the same level no. of the other two. And I would have been very disappointed if that person had won. <laughs> Just because, like, if you look, like, to me, on a show like this, I do feel like track record counts to a certain extent. And I don't think that person had the same track record. I was also kind of surprised by the first person who basically was just like, yeah, fuck it. Because at the end of, I, I feel like it's fine to give, like, Oh, episode, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, I don't mind giving an episode one the spoiler because it's literally the first episode. But for people who, who actually stuck it all the way back, for people that don't know a lot about Glow Up, it is a makeup artist reality competition show. It's not all beauty makeup, although there is occasionally beauty makeup. There's also like special effects and illusions and all these like really kind of incredible things. And at the end of the episode, the bottom two cast members have to do a head-to-head 15-minute makeup challenge. They're given identical twins. They each have to do something on them whether it's like some kind of a special eyeliner trick or some kind of a special lip trick or whatever and there was one person who was just like yeah fuck it i'm not gonna complete (laughs) the assignment and just did something different like wrote some words on this person's face and then was like yeah goodbye this is not for me and i was like you worked peace out so hard Right. To get here, and it kind of reminds me of, maybe because it's also the UK, but in RuPaul's Drag Race UK, season two, I think? I might be wrong. But anyway, there was one called Ginny Lemon, who was this very, like, their drag is very gender fucky. You know, like, they don't shave their chest hair. They don't, like, they don't get rid of, oh. they don't remove any of their body hair. And it's not... It's not like pageant drag. It's not beauty drag. It's quite camp, but it's not even just camp. Like it's like I said, it's very gender fucked. And they had to lip sync for their life one episode and just literally the music started. They put their hands up kind of like next to like did this flourish with their hands next to their face and walked off the stage. 
Because it was just this, like, no, you know what? And then in the interviews, no, I was here to fuck up the binary, and I did it, and my drag is punk as fuck, blah, blah, blah. blah. Guess who's not getting booked as much as the Um, other drag queens? So it backfired. Yeah. Remember me. Remember my name. Yes. So I kind of wonder that about this makeup artist. Like, you're trying to build a career. You get on this competition show and then do something completely unprofessional and like do what you want i don't care about whether somebody's unprofessional or not i just find it curious when this is the career that you say you want to have so but yeah excellent season love that season also like maybe we have to blame it on youth i don't know Oh yeah that's true that person was a baby yeah super baby big time babies so i'm you know i mean we all remember what we were like in our late teens early 20s i prefer not to i'd rather not yeah (laughs) we were total that's what therapy's for (laughs) yeah oh i remember that it was a horrible time in my Mm -hmm. life (sighs) so yeah we've been watching that uh we're watching our way through sandman yes of course we could be all the way finished except we're watching it with a friend who's in toronto we get on the phone with her and you know watch episodes and talk about it and whatever and she is happily coupled up now with her girlfriend so we are not i know i know (laughs) that's amazing so we're watching it more slowly than a lot of other people i think they're busy they have other things to do exactly exactly she has a wonderful girlfriend that she's really happy with to hang out with so uh but i like it so far i haven't read because i've read the full series probably about 15 years ago and it was good and i haven't gone back and read it again since then i'm waiting until the end of the season and then i'll read the first book because the the first season appears to be that first book okay but i feel like they've done a really great job of capturing the vibe which is what i was kind of most nervous about like how do you translate a story like this from a graphic novel to the screen and i think they've done a pretty good job i don't remember enough to know like what's left out what's kept in but it works i think they've made the characters interesting they've updated some of the representation so you know there are more black characters there are some gender swap characters there are more queer characters in the comic book there's kind of an upsetting scene where someone is controlling other people and so the lesbian character is kind of made to either make out or have sex with a dude that doesn't happen in this series so i like that there's kind of this like oh hey let's update it for where we are now in the world and as a culture i don't think it's gonna be for everybody because it's very very fantasy-esque but not in a it's more like a an urban fantasy than it's not like swords and sorcery or anything like that okay but i like it a lot have you watched it no you know i want to say i started it Mm -hmm. but i didn't get very far but I don't remember why I didn't get very far. I don't know if it was by choice or by like outside influences. Like I have to go, I have to go do something. Yeah. But I'll have to revisit it. I'll have to revisit mm-hmm. it just to see like, why didn't I finish this? Or why didn't I get this fully started? Yeah. I don't remember. Well, the premise is that the main character is the Sandman who, you know, controls all of everybody's dreams, who is kind of summoned and captured by this super, super rich British guy in the early 20th century who because he wants he's actually trying to summon death because he wants his son who died in world war one to be brought back he wants his son back and instead he captures dream he doesn't capture death and 
steals Death's three instruments. Sorry, Dream's three instruments. The three things that he kind of needs to be himself and do his thing and, you know, do his job as this Ant-Man who influences Dream's. And, you know, Dream is kind of kept capture for around a century and finally breaks out and has to go get his instruments so that he can be himself again and have his full power. And then it goes from there. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, But I don't know if you'll like it or not. Hmm. Okay. So I say give it a try, but also trust your gut. And if you're like, this is not for me, that's probably not going to change. (laughs) I'll sing. Yeah. And don't you remember that song, Sandman? Oh, yeah. I do. Like, I, I two songs. Like, there was the, the old, the oldies. That's the, the one I remember, yeah. Mr. Sandman. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was also, was it Metallica? Oh, yeah. And. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone done a mashup of, of the two? Has that happened yet? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like it must exist somewhere. So, like, it's like some super like light fluffy oh bring me my dream and then yeah yeah so that would be fun that would be fun yeah but that song scared me and that i was a child yeah yes that's fair (laughs) uh and then i read chelsea cameron's latest book kissed by her which was it was fun it was fun i enjoyed it and the premise is okay do you remember the parent trap movie the Lindsay lohan one yes Okay, what if the nanny and the bitchy stepmom-to-be fell in love with each other? Oh. hmm Oh. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, a little bit of an age gap, only six years, but the bitchy stepmom-to-be is the dad's assistant who kind of is angling to marry him because she's sort of been set up and raised to like you, the way to financial security is to uh, marry a rich dude. And, you know, the kids are not having it. And the nanny is also not having it because she's been part of the family for a decade now. These girls are 10. And yet an interaction sort of builds between the two of them. Like they start off very snarky and not quite enemies to lovers, more like, slightly antagonistic largely indifferent towards each other to lovers if that's a category or a trope the one thing i found especially interesting was that the ice queen you know stepmom to be assistant one it talks about how she has had her breasts augmented which i don't think i've seen in lesfic before because not only has she had them augmented but like there's conversations about like they talk about it hmm. and they talk about her body image and sort of the things that she's done to try to land a rich guy and, and what does that mean and, wow. and how does she feel about it? so i thought that was really interesting I mean, if you're looking for a contemporary romance that's, like, fun, no angst, no stress, no real, like, will they or won't they, then that's (laughs) a good one. I think that's the only reason it's not an official recommendation is often with this author's books, I'm trying to think of how to put this, because I do find, I generally find it a positive. I like that she doesn't write the breakup and then the makeup, because sometimes I get a little tired of that. Right. And typically there's enough other conflict happening elsewhere that it works and i still think this story works there's not really a lot of conflict once they stop being total bitches to each other (laughs) so yeah like if you're looking for something fluffy then i definitely recommend you pick that up i think that's a, a good choice good so chris what is your official recommendation this week okay so i want to start off by saying that i've always been really impressed 
uh, with the X Games and the athleticism of a lot of the um, like the skaters for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I, in my life, I've always thought that I would be like a skater girl, but womp womp, it didn't end up for me. I mean, <laughs> like I did okay on the skateboard. I'd like any more, no, I would never get into skateboard now. But I did okay, you know, when I was like a young teen. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, I love like in Kansas City, we have a lot of skate parks. Believe it or not, who knew? And some of the best photos I've ever taken, like, I love taking photos. I mean, that's my thing. I have a bunch of photos that I've taken on my website. And I used to do these photo trips all the time. Like, that's what I did before I started writing. I would, every weekend, I'd grab my camera and go somewhere. And some of the best photos I've taken have been at skate parks. I have some amazing photos just because I just, I find, I know a lot of people, like the, the, attitude towards skaters it's like oh they're just punks you know blah 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 Mm -hmm. but you know it takes a lot of skill to be a skater it really does and so this week i'm recommending a documentary it's a 2022 documentary i think it's on netflix and it's called stay on board it's the leo baker story so here's the uh here's the blurb celebrated skateboarder leo baker shares the detail of his rise to fame and the clash between his career and self-discovery as a trans man Hmm. it's Mm -hmm. very good it's a it's it's a deeply emotional story about the skateboarder who for years had been living two lives like that and this is it, it covers and i don't know i don't know that they did a cover of it i think it was just clips from the previous you know, the previous like competitions and things like that put together mm-hmm. as well as like maybe they covered the, the last year of his life. So how it all started was like they were winning a lot of women's competitions for years, but eventually just couldn't handle the stress of not living their authentic self. You know, what pr- what pronouns does this person use? So Leo. Yeah. You, Lee, Leo uses he. But there was a time when it was they. Oh, okay. I was trying to figure out, like, what pronouns am I using? Mm -hmm. So, like, for for years, you know, he he was tired of being influenced by sponsors. You know that that's a big thing in skateboarding because that's that's where you get your money is the sponsors. Yeah, and you know, trying to being marketable for for who they were, and so um, there was just so much pressure. Queerness and skating, which surprised me, it, it's not a thing. Like, it wasn't a thing. I always thought that, you know, skaters were were in, were in okay with queers, but that's not the case. At least really? not Leo's experience. It yeah, seems like see? such a punk area, but I suppose there is that. We, we sort of talked about that. I think we were talking about the Queer Core documentary that punk is kind of one of those weird areas where sometimes it's hyper-inclusive and sometimes it's hyper-exclusive. Right. So I wonder, is skateboarding, if it might be kind of like that? Well, it used to be. So actually, so he was chosen to go to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Whoa. Wait, and skateboarding women's... is an Olympic sport? Yeah. Yes. So, yes. So it finally became an Olympic sport in 2020. No way. So he was asked to participate in women's skateboarding. Oh. And uh, it was the first year, yeah, I was recognized as a sport of the Olympics, and he really didn't know how to feel about that. Yeah. Like, it was a struggle. Like, finally, our sport has become top level. Mm-hmm. You know, we're now acknowledging skating as a true sport, and I'm one of the best, and they recognize this. 
but the stress of being, you know, of not being his true self and being a man in a woman's sport didn't feel right. So he dropped out mm-hmm. and he, he dropped out and he finally came out as trans and put on Instagram. And I, I don't know, I think Elliot Page did the same thing on Instagram. Like, please use my pronouns, you know, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So he did the same thing. And there was a lot of backlash. A lot of people were like, you should die. It was just awful. Like the, like the reaction was just awful. And so then like COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And so during COVID he had top surgery and really transitioned and, and he, he spent that time listening to his body, like, Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to figure out, is this who I am? This is who I am. And, uh, had a very supportive girlfriend and it was really hard to, to, to listen to him trying to get top surgery, trying to get doctors to sign off on it, trying to get his insurance to sign off on it. It was just really hard. It was a Mm -hmm. very hard struggle. Whereas like some people I know who have transitioned had it very easy. They didn't need the, the, any sort of counseling to have Mm -hmm. it done. But I think, I don't know if it's some states that require that. I just don't know how it works. But yes. Some states, yes, I do believe some states do. I think they might even in some provinces in Canada. And unfortunately, there's some states like Florida is trying to make it illegal even for trans adults. Like, yes, they started with going after trans kids, but now they're trying to make it illegal for trans adults. Florida can fuck off. Right? Right. To get gender affirming. Well, I don't know if it's that they're trying to ban them from getting gender affirming care or from health care covering gender affirming care. But even if it is the latter, the latter leads to the former. Yeah. I mean, the end game is illegal right. to be trans, unfortunately, ridiculous. In, in some places. Yeah. So after, you know, after he makes the announcement and he's like, I'm trans, this is who I am, uh, he meets a handful of queer skateboarders who want to kind of have this little group and identify Mm -hmm. and just be inclusive and just, you know, and really feed off of one another and just have fun skating. Like that's the problem. A lot of times when you're really good at something and you go to a professional level, you, you lose the love of it. You know, there are too many rules. You have to do certain things. And so he and a couple of other uh, queer skateboarders created the business glue, glue skates, and so uh, they started the, it's called the glue skateboards. I'm sorry, glue skateboards. And, mm-hmm. and I love this quote. Um, he said, I want queer and trans folks not only to see themselves represented in this industry, but to feel safe and welcomed. So, so then this business started and other good things were happening to him as well. Like Nike gave him his own shoe. Like an Air Max 90. Whoa. Yeah. And so then there were some billboards up in New York, you know, where it had, you know, him and like just being his authentic self and, and having a shoe. And uh, mm-hmm. he's also in video games now, like Tony Hawk, some of the skateboarding videos. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, cool. Yeah, very, very cool. I really recommend watching his story. Uh, if you love queer power and, you know, the, finding yourself, being your true authentic self and just watching how happy people who are trapped in the wrong bodies you know feel like they have this they release themselves by showing you know courage and standing tall you know in the face adversity just and being true to themselves and just like putting up with the bullshit that's gonna you know come at you for people who don't agree or think that what you're doing is wrong and you're just gonna have so much support and so it it was it was a very uplifting documentary and so I, i recommend it for that reason 
I think it is also important to note, you know, we both know, but in case other people don't recognize or don't know that we do know, not every trans person feels like they're trapped in the wrong right. body. Some people are quite happy not modifying their body, not doing any of those like healthcare measures and still being trans. I mean, however, if a trans person is trans, however that looks like, that's fine. But, you know, for some people, that is part of the journey. Right. And I think that is important to see too. And we should all be concerned. Every queer person should be deeply concerned right now about, like, if it's this difficult now, right. when there are legislators who are trying to make it even more difficult, like, they're starting with trans people because they're able to, like, that's the wedge that's working. They're coming for all of us. So again, vote like your life depends upon it because it does. Sure. And talk to the people around you. Help them understand the realities of your life. Even if you're not trans, like if you can be a messenger to point out, like, why do you care? How does this impact you? Why, why would we not want to have trans affirming healthcare available when it literally saves lives? Right. And there was a few times when Leo was like, you know, I just, I don't want to be alive. You know, I don't, you know, and having just, it was just like hearing that and watching tears and and seeing mm-hmm. things that we don't see every day but people live it daily you know that's that's yeah. hard and i i can't understand why people would be such assholes about it online and just say things and it's just you know social media is good and bad yes. because you have the uh how do i want to say it like you have the not privacy you don't have privacy you have what is the word i'm looking for you can be an asshole and not and not be hidden what is that what is that called? What am I thinking of? Anonymity? Uh, I mean, a lot of people, yeah, I mean, a lot of people do hide behind anonymous right. handles so that they can just spew hatred. Yes. It's not good. Anyway, what were you going to say about anonymity, though? Just that people hide to just be total assholes. You know, it's unfortunate that that happens on social media, mm-hmm. especially Twitter. I mean, I love Twitter, but also oh, yes. but Instagram, too. I mean... So I started following Leo just because I want to know, you know, like how successful they become at this and, and I'm, I'm rooting for him and, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. What about your recommendation? What is your official recommendation this podcast, Tara? I don't know if you know, but like Sapphic Twitter blew up about a league of their own (laughs) and then we blew up on the last episode because we also loved it so much. So in watching, when I was watching A League of Their Own, I thought, you know, I've been meaning to watch this documentary since it came out and I just never got around to it. So I finally got around to it. It's called The Secret Love. It is on Netflix. And it was funny. I tweeted about it too, just saying like, if you loved A League of Their Own, you should really go check this out and catch out one of the real life stories. And that, I got so many responses to that. Good. A lot of people agreed. They also loved... I ugly sobbed at the end of this thing. Uh, Like, it was not... It was not good. And apparently a lot of other people did that too. And so if you want to learn more about one of the real-life players from the All-American League, you should definitely check this out because it tells the story of the Peoria Red Wings player, Terry Donahue. She played between 1946 and 1949. And it's about her and her partner, Pat Henschel. The one thing I'll say is I did find it a bit slow at times, but I am so glad I kept going with it. Like I had to watch it in a couple of sessions, but it was absolutely well worth it because, you know, it tells the story of these two women. They were together for 72 years. 
Like, can you even believe that? That's amazing. It was incredible. And so it's set up so like we first meet them kind of in the present. They're still living in their own home, but it's clearly time to start investigating other options. You know, Terry has, I think she had Parkinson's. I don't know if there are other um, health conditions that involve a lot of shaking, but so Terry, Terry had something like that. And like these women are in their early 90s at this point too, right? And so, you know, they go to Edmonton to visit Terry's family because that's where a lot of them are. But, you know, Pat's not really into moving to Edmonton, which, you know, living in Edmonton's rivalry city, I can say I understand. (laughs) Why would you move to Edmonton? (laughs) And then it sort of goes back into their backstory. And so you hear about their childhoods and they're, they're actually both Canadians who ended up like after Terry was done in the All-American League, you know, they, they stayed in the U.S. because they had a life there and they felt like it would be easier for them to be together. But they didn't come out until like a few years before this documentary was filmed. Like they were together for more than 60 years before they told anyone in their families and Terry's family in particular, like she's very, very, very close to one of her nieces. Um, and their relationship almost seems more like a mother-daughter relationship. But if it was like a really happy, healthy mother-daughter relationship. And so it kind of gets into that anxiety of, I mean, it's always kind of hard to come out for the first time. But like coming out for the first time when you're in your 80s. Yeah. And then also kind of gets into more of their backstory. Like they worked at the same company and everybody just thought they were roommates because, you know, it's safer when you're a single woman through the decades. It's cheaper. It's all these things. And, you know, we see them have dinner with this gay couple that they're really close friends with. And so it really kind of gets into that like found family. Like they have they have two families because they have Terry's family. I don't think anyone in Pat's family is still around or they're in communication with them, but like they have Terry's family, her biological family. And then they have this other family that they've built, which is like who they went to house parties with, who they went on vacations with, who they have dinners with that was really lovely. And even go so far as explaining some of the like, you know, we talked about the bar raid scene in A League of Their Own and how that was quite upsetting and rightly so. But they talked about how they didn't go to the bars because they were afraid of being arrested. And so, you know, they went to house parties instead, which is more of what we see, like what Max goes to at her Uncle Bertie's house. And they said because of the bar and they got into a little bit more of an explanation than what we got out of a league of their own. But because of what they called the three article law, which is you have to have three articles of women's clothing on. So if, you know, the police raided a bar and if a woman was wearing a shirt and pants she was arrested and her name was put in the paper. And I went and looked into it because I think it was Terry that mentions the three article law. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go do a little bit of research into this. Like insofar as I can do a quick internet search, like I'm not digging into (laughs) law books or anything, but it was never actually a real law. It wasn't an official law on the books. And they primarily, those arrests, especially in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, kind of until Stonewall when these arrests dropped off, like cross-dressing wasn't a thing anymore. That Well, I mean, it, people were still cross-dressing, but they weren't being arrested for it. And it was largely around 19th century masquerade laws. There was no law that said you have to wear three articles of clothing that aligns with your gender. 
but it got referred to it's it's either um was a rule of thumb that was used by the police or it was basically a term that queer people would use to warn each other and i just thought this story was so beautiful and it really did a great job of showing what were the dangers of living as a queer person at that time? What did some people do so they could pass as straight while still effectively being married and living with their partner so that they could avoid criminalization or hospitalization? Because this is also a time when, you know, queer people would be institutionalized and they might have electroshock therapy. They might be lobotomized, like some pretty heinous shit happened. And so when it comes back into the present, we see them, you know, talk about should they get married because it's legal now. And it was really sweet because Pat was kind of like, well, I would, I would get married. I think that would be really nice. And Terry's like, what's the point? (laughs) Until Terry proposes. And it is kind of in like a you wanna, but it's still like, it's so sweet and we get to see their wedding and I cried and cried and cried. <laughs> Who thought I would cry so much at a wedding between two people in their 90s? Uh, I think everybody would. I don't think I was, oh, <laughs> uh, it's so good. And the thing with watching a documentary about two people who are still deeply in love, you know, 70 years later and they're in their 90s is that you know that one or both of them is probably not going to make it. Right. Yeah. So that's the only, like, it is sad, but it's so good. It's so, so good. And I think, you know, if you loved League of Their Own and you want to see more about one of the real-life players, check it out. If you want to see how far we've come in terms of the rights that we have and how we can live our lives openly as queer people, you should watch this. If you're concerned about what we might go back to, if we don't, you know, work together and organize and vote and all those things, watch this documentary because we don't want to go back. And I don't know that we could have, I don't know that we could ever like fully go all the way back because there's so much visibility now. There's been so much media created But in a time where there are politicians that are literally calling for us to be lined up and shot or stoned or those kinds of things, we can't lose sight of the people, whether they, you know, the people that came before us, whether they were out fighting and marching, or even if they were just, you know, their own quiet acts of resistance by living in their own way. Yeah, I actually, uh, I did see the documentary uh, when it came out back in 2020. Mm. What did you think? Yeah, I cried a lot too. I cried a lot too. Yeah. It's sad that, you know, we have, we ha- we cry about things that other people get and we don't get to have. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I did see it. It was, it was good. You're right. It was very, very yeah. good. But it was also very, very yeah. sad for a lot of reasons. Yes. But, you know, I mean, some people did make it, you know, they were able to have yeah, absolutely. a long, happy-ish life, you know, with their significant other. Uh, and some people yeah. didn't, you know, they couldn't take the risk. And like, how many people played straight? How many people yes. still play straight? Just yes. because, you know, we're, we're kind of reverting backward, you know? Yes, so. it's true. So yeah, two excellent documentaries for you all to check yes. out. 
That is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining Chris and I. If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure if you haven't already subscribed so you get updates whenever we release an episode every other Tuesday. And if you have a friend that you think would like this show, someone who's looking for more queer, queer, queerie, what is that? It's nothing. <laughs> if you look, if you have a friend who is looking for more queer media in their life, please tell them about it. And if you'd like to support the show, as I mentioned, we have the link in the show notes to Kofi. Uh, sorry, to coffee. I, you know Never. what? You say it wrong for a year and a half. It's hard to say it properly. Uh, not necessary, but definitely appreciated. Right. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.